you would, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke, the 10th chapter. We are continuing our series of lessons looking at our Lord's parables. We've mentioned in the past that there's um, lots of ways that you can group the parables, but for simplicity's sake, and what we've kind of been working on as we've gone through is, is a very broad categor- categorization of the, of, the, of the parables, and that is into parables that deal with the king, parables that deal with the kingdom, and then parables that deal with the citizens of the kingdom. And so we've looked at several parables about uh, the king, of course, being our God. We've looked at several parables talking about the kingdom. So I'd like to start to conclude our lessons with looking at parables about being a citizen of the kingdom. So I'd like to um, start those series, these last ones, talking about citizens of the kingdom, with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Probably um, the most well-known of this group, and probably really one of the most well-known parables of all of them. Many people uh, know about the parable of the Good Samaritan, even in uh, worldly circles. Um, We use Good Samaritan in our everyday language. It's something that we are familiar with, this idea, this concept that's, that's delivered here in this parable. We see hospitals that, that wear this name, Good Samaritan Hospital, um, treatment facilities, those kinds of things. We even have Good Samaritan laws, um, laws that have been put on the books about people um, being kind and helping out their fellow citizens. Sometimes those are called Good Samaritan laws. So we understand and know this parable pretty well because it is so popular. And it's easy to see why it is so popular and why it is so much in our everyday language because it contains a very powerful message, really one of the most powerful messages, certainly in these groups of teachings here in the parables. And we'll see, as is often the case, um, in the context of what's going on when Jesus presents this parable, people were always trying to to outsmart our Lord. They were always trying to... uh, him in a corner. And we'll see with this one, uh, as he does every time, how he turns it around on, on the one who is questioning him and uses it as a teaching opportunity and taking what we would think as common knowledge or typical answer that Jesus might give, and he turns it and gives us a powerful message in, the, in doing so. So we're here in Luke 10. Let's read the parable of the Good Samaritan. We'll start in verse 30 and read through verse 37. Jesus replied and said, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. And by chance a certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast 
and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you, you spend when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. Like I said, a very familiar passage to us, a very familiar parable. So let's just talk briefly about um, the story here that, that our Lord tells. And it's simply that a man is traveling from, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's robbed. Now, I, I did some study in some of the commentaries and research um, about this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was notoriously dangerous. Um, some names for it, uh, nicknamed the Bloody Way or the Way of Blood, so this way, this road that this man was traveling on, um, was notorious um, for having robbers and thieves along it. So this is the road that our Lord chose to, to put this story around. So here we have a man, he's traveling from Jericho, or from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he's, he falls among the robbers, and they beat him, they rob him, and they leave him for dead. And a priest comes along, and when he sees the man there, who has been beaten and, and robbed, he crosses on the other side of the road. And then a Levite comes along and he does the very same thing, passes on the other side of the road. And then a Samaritan came along. And if we remember about the Samaritans, we remember that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. The Jews really had a disdain for the Samaritans. And this goes back to when Israel was occupied by the, by the Assyrians, taken captive. When the Assyrians had taken them away, they put other peoples back into these cities and towns. These people that had come out of other lands, and put them in back in place of where they took the Jews out of Israel. And so as the conquered people are coming back, and the, some of the Jews that are left there, they started intermarrying with the people that were there. And so... The people of Judah considered the Samaritans to be a mixed race. They didn't think that they were uh, uh, truly children of Israel as, the, as they intermarried with these other peoples. So they considered them beneath them, really. They didn't really have much to do with each other. So it's interesting that, that Jesus picks this uh, type of person to build the story around as well, the Samaritan. So the Samaritan comes along. And he sees this man, and he shows compassion on him. He sees that he's been beaten and robbed and left for dead, and he has compassion for him. He doctors up his wounds. Um, he puts him on his own animal, and he takes him to an inn. And he gave the, the innkeeper there two denarii. If we remember what a denarii is, it's one day's wage. So he gave him two days' wages to take care of this man. And he told him that whatever else, that other expenses that might come up, that when he comes back through, that he'll pay him for those as well. So Jesus asks here at the end, the question that he poses, he says, which one proved to be a neighbor to the man who was beaten and robbed and left on the side of the road? One that, and the answer was the one that showed mercy to him. And then Jesus says, 
go and do the same. So many things that we can <laughs> pull out of this out of this parable. It's really one of those exercising exercises in bringing uh, just a few things out of it. Where we can bring so many, but I wanted to look at um, the parable here, and, and the setting is so very important to the message of, of the parable. So it's important for us to understand this. Let's go back and look at verse 25. And let's read verses 25 through 29. This helps us to get an understanding of uh, the circumstances around the teaching here that our Lord brings. So verse 25 says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So we see the setting here, um, like I said in the, in the beginning, we see people time after time, trying to catch Jesus, trying to, to, uh, to pin him into a corner, trying to outsmart him. And it says here with this lawyer, it says that he wanted to put him to the test. So here's a man, an educated man, learned man, and he's going to put Jesus here to the test. So he thinks of a question that he can ask him that will stump Jesus. And like I said, Jesus encountered people like this over and over and over again in his ministry, all the time trying to trip him up. So the lawyer asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life. And that's a pretty uh, stout question. You know, if you're looking for a singular answer, if you're looking for, uh, if you're trying to question someone and say, well, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? We can almost see his, his attitude kind of come through here. Notice what Jesus does. Notice his response. He points him to Scripture. He says, what is written in the law? So the lawyer asks him the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what's written in the law? How does it read to you? Interesting, isn't it? Interesting that he points him to this way. When we think about the religious questions that we have, when we fail in our understanding or have things that we are still unsure about, what should we do? Well, can we imagine Jesus coming to say, and saying to us, what's written in the law? How does it read to you? Powerful point. Powerful point that our Lord makes here. Always pointing people to Scripture. They should have known these things. It's written in the law. And the lawyer answers correctly. Jesus tells him he does. You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer's not content to, to let it go at that. He's not content to be, um, I don't know, we, we, we'd be reading things into it if we, if we said too much. But we can see from Scripture what it says there in verse 29 but wishing to be justified, or wishing to justify himself. 
he asked him another question. Well, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the parable. So, again, here, here's this man trying to, to, to pin the Lord into the corner. Trying to make him come up with an answer that might um, show he's a hypocrite. Or show that he doesn't fully understand the teachings that he espouses. So notice now, here's the, the question the lawyer has posed. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus points him to scripture and says, what does the law say? And he answers correctly, love your God with all your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Go and do this, you shall live. Like we said, the lawyer wanting to justify himself, come back and says, well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus has this point where he can teach this lesson, this powerful lesson about this Samaritan. And so he gets to the end, down in verse 36, after he tells the parable, he says, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? So he's turned the question a little bit, hasn't he? The question the lawyer asks is, Who is my neighbor? And he doesn't answer it that way. He poses another question. And the question he poses is, Who proved to be a neighbor? He didn't answer the question of, Who is my neighbor? He answered it with another question, saying, who proved to be the neighbor to this man. Instead of trying to figure out who is our neighbor, Jesus tells a story of someone helping someone else, thereby proving to be a neighbor to him. In this way, our neighbors aren't those who, who live next to us, as we commonly think about who a neighbor is. They might share our heritage or our, our own hometown or or live physically next to us or close by. That's what we typically think of a neighbor. But that's not what Jesus is teaching here, is it? What is Jesus teaching? He's teaching that our neighbor is the one who is in need, who we come in contact with. For this man who was on the side of the road, there were three men that came by him, and a priest and a Levite and a Samaritan. And only one of them proved to be this man's neighbor. And that was the Samaritan. The priest and the Levite proved not to be neighbors to this man because they didn't stop and help him. But the Samaritan was the one that showed compassion on him, therefore he was the one that was the neighbor to him. Too often I'm afraid that we don't help those who are in need as we come in contact with them. That's one of the things about this lesson that um, can cut you to the quick. Are we being like the good Samaritan? Are we helping those who we come in contact with when they have need? And it might mean that it puts us out of our comfort zone. It might mean that it's inconvenient for us. And it might mean that it might cost us some money. This Samaritan, look what he set aside, two days' wages. That's the sacrifice he was willing to make. Are we willing to make that same sacrifice? Are we willing to help those we come in contact with, to bandage their wounds, to put them in our car, 
take them to a hotel and pay their, pay their rent for the night. What's Jesus' command here? It gets to the end of it, the very end of the parable there, verse 37. Look what he says. I love it, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I love it when scripture is so cuttingly simple and clear. What does he say? Go and do the same. This man who is trying to trick Jesus along the way here, this lawyer, we all have had dealings with lawyers, we understand. Really haven't changed in so many years, I guess. Here's a learned man, he's trying to put Jesus to the test. And instead, Jesus cuts through with simple teaching. and tells him at the end, go and do the same. He's walked this lawyer through. Notice the answers that Jesus gives. He just asks him more questions. And the lawyer provides the right answers. Powerful. A powerful way to teach. To see people, or to have people see it for themselves. To lead them to the truth. Let them see it for themselves. Go and do the same. Do you think Jesus will accept our excuses when we stand before him? We're going to stand before him in judgment. There's a day that's coming that we will have to do that. And we'll have to give an account for the things that we've done in the body. As the Ecclesiastes writer tells us, Solomon tells us. You think he's going to accept our excuses that we have for him? Why we didn't help those we come in contact with? We have the teaching in Matthew 25 about helping those who are in need, helping those who are naked and thirsty and hungry. Jesus says, as you've done it to the least of them, you've done it to me. Can you imagine our Lord asking us, well, what's written in the scripture? Kevin, what's written in the scripture about helping your neighbor? Well, Lord, I read in Matthew 25 about helping those in need. What does that say to you, Kevin? It says, I need to help those who are in need. Scripture plainly tells me that. I'm without excuse. I have the revelation of God, the full revelation of his will. And my Lord has told me what he expects of me. If I'm going along the road and I see a man in need, it's my responsibility to help that person. And I'll have to stand and give an account for that one day. So when we think about this few little verses here, it's powerful. It's sobering. It is for me. I hope it is for you. I hope you'll see in these simple little parables that we've been going through how powerful they are. And how it tells us how to be pleasing to the king in this kingdom. We have some more parables that we're going to look at. We're going to talk about our citizenry in this kingdom. But we start here and think about what it means to be a neighbor. That basic connection that we have with others in the world. When we come in contact with other people and they have need. Those are our neighbors. The parable of the Good Samaritan teaches us that we must show mercy those who we come in contact with. I hope that this lesson will be 
beneficial to you. I know it has been for me. We have busy lives. We have um, routines that we get into. And sometimes that precludes us, inhibits us from helping those we come in contact with, those who might have need. When we look at these teachings, couple this with Matthew 25, and understand we have a responsibility to help those around us. Take it to heart. Put it in practice. Be like that good Samaritan and help those who have need. If you have needs this evening, if you have things that you need to confess and make right with the Lord, do that. If they are of a private nature, do that in a private setting. If there are public things that you need to confess or if you need the prayers of this congregation, we can pray for you. We can help you. The Lord has given us the kingdom so that we can do this, so we can encourage one another as fellow citizens in the kingdom. Whatever your needs might be, let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.